You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. Uh, good morning. Merry Christmas. My name's... Okay, great. <laughs> My name's Jake. I'm uh, an associate pastor here at Schweitzer. Really, really blessed uh, to be here this morning. It's a joy. And we've got a lot of guests uh, with us, too, like always. And so, um, thanks for coming. We hope you feel welcome here at Schweitzer. Uh, Let's get started. We're going to start right in it this morning. We're going to to go straight to the scripture. We're in Isaiah chapter 9. It's a prophet in the Old Testament. And we'll have the scriptures on the screens. And the way this is going to go is going to read the scripture. Uh, I'm going to give kind of an abbreviated sermon here this morning. And then uh, we're going to sing and do the whole candlelight thing that we all love. And we'll be out of here. All right. Isaiah 9, 2 through 7. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel, and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you, as people rejoice at the harvest, and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod, just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will all be burned. They will be fuel for the fire. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. Now I've said this, we've said this multiple times this uh, month as we've gone through our sermon series that the, the prophet Isaiah, the book of Isaiah is often referred to as the gospel of the Old Testament. And you can see why in texts like this, uh, there's that verse, in verse 6 especially, he says, right, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us. And that's kind of our, our radar. Oh yeah, That's Jesus, right? There's all these examples throughout the book of Isaiah that that point towards the coming, hundreds of years after it was written, of a Christ-like figure. But if we're not careful, all right, when we read this, we'll get stuck on verse 6 and say, hallelujah, Christ came, he was right, uh, whatever. But there's a lot more going on in this text that we just read. So I'm going to briefly summarize what we just read. What Isaiah is saying is that for those who live in a land of darkness, i.e. all of us, he would say, A light is coming into the world. A hope will be seen. And this hope will come in the form of a child. This child will be a king. And a new type of government will be established. This king, he says, will have a kingdom. He says he will forever put an end to injustice, oppression, war, violence, and conflict among the people of this world, and he will forever uphold peace and justice and righteousness and goodwill and fairness and equality. That's what he's talking about here. And he says, in case you doubt it, the passionate commitment of the one true God will make this happen. In short, Isaiah says, there will be a day where humans live 
in joy and peace and harmony forever here on earth. Now, I want to emphasize the here on earth words because I know when I hear prophecies like this and when I hear this promise of God, this Christian hope that we look forward to, I often think about it as some type of like far off, distant, heavenly realm, afterlife, uh, super spiritual, intangible type of, of place where humans dwell in harmony, right? That's not what Isaiah is talking about here. He is very much looking forward to a time on this earth right here when God lives among us and establishes his kingdom on earth where all conflict is put to an end among human beings. We live in joy, peace, and harmony forever together. It's heaven on earth. It's perfection on earth. That is the Christian hope. That's the Christian message. That's what Jesus came for, and that's what he's coming for. And that's not to be overlooked. Now, it doesn't take a rocket scientist or a theologian, then, to read this scripture and uh, realize that either Isaiah is blatantly wrong or this hasn't happened yet. That's okay. We just got to acknowledge that, all right? Either he's wrong or this hasn't happened yet. And it shouldn't take a a quick recap of 2017 with mass shootings and uh, all the human conflict that we've had, uh, the sex scandals, you name it. It shouldn't take all these things for us to realize that there is not peace on earth, all right? all, All we need to do is look at our own families. Look at our own workplace. Look at our marriage. Look at our friendships. It's that we humans have a tough time getting along. And it begs a question, God, what are you waiting for? Where is this kingdom that you've promised us? 2,600 years after this text was written, it doesn't seem like things have changed too much. So God, where is this kingdom that you are passionately committed to bringing to this earth? And it's okay to ask that question. That question was asked about 2,000 years ago. We have a story in uh, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17, where there's a religious leader who asks Jesus this very same question. He says, Jesus, when will the kingdom of God come? And Jesus responds, the kingdom of God is already in the midst of you. Or the kingdom of God is within you. This is a really interesting way to respond, too, because there's, uh, there's this reality in the Christian faith. There's this reality to this, to this kingdom, all right? For this to be possible completely, for humans to really be, uh, for there to be this kingdom established forever in peace, uh, Jesus does really need to return the second time. All right, he will forcibly establish his kingdom one day. And in the meantime, we're in this kind of a weird spot where he's come once. And we're waiting until he returns again. Um, and there's not a lot that we can do, maybe. Uh, um, we rely on Christ, on his power to come and establish this kingdom. But that's not what Jesus says. Jesus doesn't say, you got to wait. He doesn't say, really, man, um, it's coming uh, when I return in however many years, maybe 2018, I don't know, maybe, maybe like 10,000, I, I don't know. But he doesn't say, wait, he says, no, the kingdom, although you can't see it, 
Although it's not visible yet, it is here among you. It is within you. And it's, it's Jesus' way of saying, man, you don't, you don't have to wait for this kingdom. It is readily available to anyone who wants to find it right here and right now. And this isn't a sit idly by and wait for it type of hope that we Christians have. This is a do something about it right now type of hope and make this kingdom that he promises to bring in full, make it a reality in our lives here and now. That's what Jesus is getting at. Now in my version of the kingdom of God, there are no bats. Yeah, when I say bats, I mean those creepy, black, flapping, flying, blind uh, cave creatures, bats, But last weekend, there was a bat uh, relatively close to the kingdom of God, right in the fellowship center. (laughs) Right out there in the fellowship. Raise your hand if you uh, saw the bat in the fellowship center. Okay, not too many here. All right, this will be good. Uh, So between 820 and our 940 services, this bat somehow got in. And it's flying around, and it's going crazy, and it's it's wreaking havoc out there. And uh, and I hate bats. I mean, I, I really don't know anyone who loves bats, but... I hate them. I'm terrified of them. And I'm trying to play it cool. I'm kind of like freaking out inside, but I'm doing this whole like assessing the situation. I'm talking to people like about, you know, maybe I'll do something about it, making it seem like I might. And uh, I'm, losing, I'm losing my peace here inside though. But everybody's, you know, it's that fake kind of calm where everyone's freaking out uh, inside, but they're trying to stay cool. Anyway, the reality is that if I'm in charge, that bat will be in the fellowship center till the day that the Lord returns. I'm not going close to that thing. That's the reality. But there's not peace in the fellowship center, all right? Grown men are screaming and crying and running in circles. It was mayhem out in the fellowship center. Something had to be done. But I'm losing my peace, and so uh, conveniently I had to go to the bathroom. And I was like, all right, guys. I just... And I forgot about it until Tuesday. So Tuesday staff meeting, uh, I, there's a bunch of staff there, and I say, wait. Whatever happened to that bat? And one of the guys on our staff, David, (laughs) he says, you know, I took care of it. I took a towel. I walked right up to it. I grabbed it. I brought it out back. Got rid of it. I said, wow, that's amazing. You see, David, he took care of the situation. David did what needed to be done. David restored peace to the fellowship center. And now in this story... David is the model Christian. He saw what was stealing peace from our fellowship among our human beings, and he did what needed to be done. I am the antithesis of the model Christian. In order to maintain my inner peace, that sweet Jesus kind of inner peace that you can have, I just removed myself gladly from the situation and let someone else handle that havoc. Now, the moral of this story here is that the world doesn't need more Christians who have peace. The world needs more Christians who make peace. The world doesn't need more Christians who see and recognize the bat, who who see and recognize the situation and know what's going on and complain about what's going on and act like they're going to do something and don't do anything. The world needs Christians who see the bat and they deal with it. The world needs Christians who restore peace. The world needs Christians who lay down their anger, who lay down their resentment, who lay down their pride, 
and their arrogance and their hatred and their fear. And they followed the way of Christ, who died not only for his friends, but for his enemies, that we might have peace here on earth. Our families, our friendships, our workplaces, they need Christ. They need the love of Christ. They need us to be Christ. And when this happens, this invisible kingdom that is among us, that is within us, will become very much the visible, tangible kingdom around us in our families, in our friendships, in our workplaces, in our marriages. There will be peace here on earth. So that's the challenge this Christmas Eve. What, what bats are wreaking havoc and disturbing the peace in your fellowship with other human beings? I don't know what that is. Maybe it's your bat. Maybe you let it in. I don't know. That's very likely. I got a lot of bats, right? But maybe it's not. It doesn't matter. It's our job not to have peace, but to make peace. That's a challenge this Christmas Eve. And the gift is Jesus Christ himself. It's a God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. On the last night of Jesus' life, he sat at the table with his 12 disciples who he'd walked with for three years, one of whom would betray him. That very night. It's a night, in fact, that every single one of us betrayed Christ. And he sat with them anyway. He lifted up the bread. He gave thanks. He broke it saying, this is my body, which is given for you. After the dinner, he lifted up the cup. He said, this is my blood, which is shed for you. And for many, for the forgiveness of sins, take and drink, all of you. Do this in remembrance of me. When Jesus gave his life for us, He gave his life for people who had been his enemies, for people who had rejected him, for people who had disgraced him, for people who had nailed him to the cross. Every single one of us here this morning, whether it's for the first time or for the thousandth time, has an opportunity for your peace with God to be restored. The work of Christ is that of making peace, and it's that of making peace between humanity and God first, and then between humans, right? So whatever it is that's kept you from God, whatever it is that's kept us from God, even in just the tiniest way, right now, here's a time in communion where Christ offers himself to us. He says, let me do the work. All you got to do is place your faith in him 
and receive this incredible gift. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you, thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. I pray that every single one of us this Christmas Eve can feel and taste the sweetness of your love. What great love it was when you gave your life for us. What great joy it is that you continue to live in our lives. God, we need you. We look to you to bring peace into this world and we are your vessels. We are your servants. We are willing. We praise you. We love you. In your holy name we pray.